You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. There's some on the table in the back over here. It's really exciting to see you guys kind of start to come alive and move around a little bit while we're singing and, and all that sort of thing. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, those of you who were here, we talked about the time during musical worship and stuff that, you know, was appropriate and stuff that, uh, you know, we're allowed to do according to scripture, raising our hands and singing and, and those kinds of things. Uh, but we talked about uh, the things that we do during musical worship uh, being things that connect us with God, the God of the universe, which is incredible that we get to connect with that guy. Um, and then uh, also not doing things that may distract others from being able to connect with God. So if you're doing things during musical time or while I'm talking right now um, that may be distracting to others, you may want to shut that down. Uh, if you need to talk to somebody, uh, then you feel free. I'm like, honestly, if you need to talk, you're welcome to do that before or after Greenhouse where you guys can step out to something like really important, like you have a question about God or something. You can step out and talk. That's awesome. Uh, otherwise, let's be focused in and let's try and connect with God because that's the point of being here. That's the ultimate point. Uh, being here is to connect with God and learn more about him. So let's jump in. So tonight we're starting a new series uh, called Set Free. We're going to walk through Galatians. We're going to take several weeks. I don't know how long that's going to take at this point. I just kind of want us to walk through Galatians and however long that takes us is how long it takes us. Um, and just kind of draw out some truths uh, from this book. It's one of my favorite uh, letters that Paul wrote to churches. Uh, Paul's really good uh, at crafting words. Uh, and so it's really cool to, to dive into the, a lot of what he has to say. Uh, but this particular book, we're challenged to better understand grace and freedom. Grace and freedom. Those are, I mean, those are some of the key elements of the gospel and of the Christian life. Uh, and walking through uh, the book of Galatians is going to help us try to get a better hold of what those mean and all that kind of thing. So w- before we actually dive in, I want to give us, uh, before we get into the scripture, um, I want to give us context of the letter, uh, kind of overall overview of it, and then I want we need to define a couple of terms before we really dive in. Sound cool? So Paul, the Apostle Paul, the missionary Paul, whatever title you want to uh, give him, he's writing to churches in this um, region called Galatia, which if you find uh, Turkey on a map, not like Gobble Gobble Turkey, but like the, the country, Turkey, on our map today, Galatia was like smack dab in the middle of that. And... Um, and this, this letter was actually written to several churches. So Paul traveled around all over the Mediterranean Sea, all over the Middle East there, sharing the gospel with people. And just hundreds and thousands of people became Christians because Paul and uh, his little band of merry men uh, would ride into town, would just boldly proclaim Jesus. And people would come to faith. It was incredible. The Holy Spirit was moving in some really cool ways. And so in this region of Galatia, Paul had planted several churches. Now, as Paul was traveling through these places, there was this group of men that would actually travel behind Paul. They kind of followed his path. They would travel behind Paul, and they believed in Jesus, but they, but they had more teachings that they would give to these Christians. These, these men were known as Judaizers. If you've been around church uh, for a little while, you've probably heard this term. It's a pretty weird term, um, but they're, they're called Judaizers. And so these were, these were men who believed in Jesus and believed in the resurrection of Jesus, but they also would teach these new Christians 
that it was like, it's okay, cool, it's cool if you believe in Jesus, but you also have to basically be Jewish. Like, you, you, can, you can believe in Jesus and follow him, that's cool, but you also have to follow all these rules and rituals uh, that we follow in Judaism. Uh, and so the, the, these churches were kind of getting confused, like, wait a second, Paul just said that we had to, like, believe in Jesus and follow the Holy Spirit, uh, and we're free from all that stuff, and then the, now these guys are saying that we have to follow all these rules, and we have to do these rituals and stuff, just like they've been doing for a long time. And so Paul, the whole premise of this letter that we're going to work our way through, is writing to these churches to say, forget all that stuff. Forget all that. That's legalism. Just focus on Jesus. Just focus on the gospel, that Jesus came and brought rescue, that Jesus died on the cross, God rose him from the dead, and he conquered that death to cover our sins and bring us back into relationship with God. Isn't that awesome that somebody would do that for us? And so Paul's saying, just focus on that. Don't worry about all that stuff. Don't worry. You don't have to do those rules and rituals. Uh, you don't have to do the circumcision and all the weird stuff. You don't have to do that stuff anymore. Jesus wiped the slate clean. Just, just follow Jesus, okay? Um, legalism in this time, whenever Paul was writing this letter, looked like they had to follow these rules, these Old Testament laws and Jewish rituals and all these kinds of things. Last I checked, nobody's kind of beating on the door of Mount Zion telling us that we have to be Jewish. Um, so legalism for us looks different. And so this is one of the things we do in Scripture. We find the original context, and then we figure out how, because this is God's Word speaking to us and how we can know who God is and how we're supposed to be because of this. Um, we bring it into our context and apply what, what it means for us, okay? So legalism doesn't look like somebody's trying to make you be Jewish. Um, but what does that look like in our time? Legalism. Well, it's, there are three aspects to legalism. I think if you boil it down, regardless of religion, regardless of um, whatever you're doing, there are three aspects of legalism. I think we need to define this term as we go through uh, the book of Galatians so we really understand what we're talking about when I say legalism, okay? So there are three aspects of legalism that I want to talk about. The first one is working in your own power, your own abilities, your own skills, your own strength. Okay, so the Judaizers were, uh, were coming in and saying, yeah, it's cool if you believe in Jesus, but then once you've done that and you become a Christian, uh, then they weren't called Christians and say, once you follow the way or the path or whatever it was that they said. Um, say, once you, once you follow Jesus, that's cool. Now, to the best of your abilities, you have to follow all these rules, right? And so the, they were trying to work in their own strength, and that was the history uh, of the Jewish faith in general, is that they were trying to do all these things to please God. They were trying in their own strength and their own abilities to earn good graces with God. And so, Paul, uh, so Paul's fighting against that. He's pushing back against that legalism. And so um, anything that we're doing in our own strength, and our own power, not through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through the power of Jesus, is legalism. You're trying to take it up on your own, and you're trying to just kind of pull yourself up by the bootstraps and do it yourself. Um, that's an aspect of legalism. Another one is working uh, according to your own set of rules. The Jews are really good at this, okay? So God gave them the, uh, the Old Testament law, and the point of the law was, one, to show them how much they needed God because to make, to make mankind realize that we were not perfect uh, if we didn't already realize that. But then also, 
it was the law was really set to help the Jews live a life that showed God to the world. Right? It wasn't do this checklist and you appease God and you make him happy and you make him love you. It was do these things and by the way you live your life and the words that you, you use, you will show the world who God is and how great God is. But they had taken that way too far. They made, there's like this whole like giant book that the Jewish religion, like over the, year, over the centuries they've written that are just rules that they've come up with based off of the rules that God gave them. Like just thousands and thousands of rules. Like one example um, would be uh, God's law says uh, don't work on the Sabbath, right? It's a day of rest, so don't work. They took that real far. Still take that really far. One of the, one of the funniest things to me, um, they, would, they would not only come up with their own laws, but then they would also come up with their own ways around uh, their own laws, which was really funny too. And one of my favorite ones um, is that they would say, if you walked more than a mile from your home, it was considered work. And so you can't, you can't walk more than a mile away from your home, which is a really ridiculous rule. Jesus didn't, God didn't say, hey, you can't walk more than a mile or it's considered work. I mean, I consider a mile work too, but uh, <laughs> uh, you're not resting if you walk more than a mile, apparently. Uh, and so how they would get around this though, like if they needed to go to the market and it was like two miles away, they would carry something from their home, like a plate or a dish or something, a mile, and then they would set it down and then they, then they could walk another mile because that's a part of their home right there. And so then they could walk another mile away from it. So it was just like these, this just ridiculousness that had happened. There was, a, there was one, uh, there's one scenario where on the Sabbath you can't work and so you can't prepare certain types of food because it's pretty strenuous to prepare that, that types of food. And you can't like hand food across your threshold. And it's just, just like, it gets really crazy. Their intent was to try and help themselves better follow God's rules, but then they had gotten so far off of that that they had forgotten the intent of the original rules and then forgot most of the original rules in general. Because <clears throat> they weren't really more rules as much as they were ways of living that helped you be closer to God, like be connected with God, and to show the world who God is, right? Um, so they had, had gone this way. How often do we do the same thing, though? Like, obviously, we don't, like, carry things from our home and set them down and walk, like, another mile— but how often are we kind of building our own rules? Those of you who are Christians and have been Christian for a little while, um, this is, I, I know I'm guilty of this all the time. I'm like, well, okay, well, Paul says this in the book of Romans, and for me, that means this, and so I've got to do this, and so there I've made my own rule. That's not God's rule. I've made my own rule. That's legalism, okay? If you're building your own set of rules on top of what God has already done, you're adding to what God is saying, and that's not good. It just puts more... Uh, boundaries on us and it and it puts uh it kind of imprisons us and god sets us free jesus sets us free from all of that he sets us free from the law and sets us free from our rules uh and all those kinds of things there's a balance in that and we'll get to that in a little bit okay so i went a little longer on that one than i intended but it's an important one so working uh in our own power working according to our own rules and then the last one as far as this definition of legalism is working to earn god's favor is legalism if you're doing good things, no matter how good they are, like even if you're like, I don't know, rescuing like a hundred orphans at a time, that's cool and that's awesome. And the Bible does talk about helping orphans, but if you're doing it because you think it makes God love you more, or it, it you may, uh, or you think that it it brings you closer to God because you've done those things, that's legalism. 
We don't earn our way to God. See, legalism, we look at, we look in, uh, you know, the Bible and we, and we look at the Judaizers and we go, oh, well, I'm not like trying to follow the Jewish law, so I'm pretty good. But by th- those definitions, or that definition, those three key elements, when we're working our own power, we're making up our own rules, and we're working to earn our way to God, doesn't that happen all the time? If you, if, you're, if you stop and you're honest in your own life, doesn't that happen all the time? Some people uh, in here, maybe you're not a Christian, and maybe your view of the Christian faith, because maybe the Christians around you, you've seen live this way. Maybe your view of Christian faith is that, uh, is that God wants to bring you in, yeah, and bring you rescue, but then he wants you to like follow all these things, and, and it's like all about rules and following certain things. But that's not at all what God intended, and that's not at all what the gospel is all about. That's not at all what the gospel is all about. And legalism continually undermines the gospel. It either takes away from the gospel or it adds to the gospel, and both of those things um, are bad. So how do we push back against legalism? Okay, I always like to get to practical stuff, uh, make sure we can take something home and not just like learn the school thing, right? So how do we push back against legalism. That's where we come to the book of Galatians. So if you have a Bible or you have an app on your phone that uh, connects you with the Bible, turn to the book of Galatians. And we're going to be in the first chapter, obviously, and then the first five verses. This is just Paul's intro, but here's, I was mentioning this earlier, Paul is so good with words that even in his introduction, he's speaking like these awesome, like huge truths about God. Like where we would just be like, hey, this is JJ, and then, then I will, like, get, get on with whatever note that I'm writing kind of thing. Paul, like, takes that, every opportunity to, like, talk about how awesome God is. And so that's kind of convicting to me. So next time you get a note from me, it's going to be, like, intro, theological truths, and then I'll tell you what I really ta- think about God, and then my outro will also be theological truths. Because um, that's how Paul wrote, but it was really cool, and we get to learn some really cool stuff because of that. So let's read these verses, and then we'll walk our way back through, okay? So Galatians 1, verse 1, Paul an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. See, isn't that, isn't that cool? Like the first sentence, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about Jesus being raised from the dead. That's incredible. He's barely said hello, and he's already talking about Jesus raising from the dead. All right, moving on. Verse 2, and all the brothers who are with me, he's talking about the guys who were traveling with him, to the church churches of Galatia. So he's not even addressed who he's uh, talking to yet, and he's already like talking about Jesus. He just can't help but talk about Jesus constantly. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's the coffee machine. It does weird noises. It's all right. Ignore it. The first time I heard it a couple years ago, I was like, what's happening? Somebody's like breaking down the wall. Anyway, it's just a coffee machine. Ignore it. It's fine. Back into this, all right? So in these first five verses, there are six chapters to this book, okay? But in the first five verses, Paul's already attacking legalism. He's already coming at it the first few verses. So let's look at it. Let's, let's, uh, there are two things, two main ideas that I want us to get out of these verses, Okay? If you wanted to, I don't recommend this, but if you wanted to listen in right now and get these truths and then zone out from the rest of the point, you would get enough that your life would be changed if you really let it, okay? So 
Everybody paying attention? Two truths in these five verses that fight back and destroy and push back legalism, okay? The gospel is free. It costs you nothing. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, that he died for you to cover your sins and to bring you into a relationship with God, free. Okay? That's one. And two, the gospel is freeing, I-N-G there. It brings freedom. Freedom from the rules. Freedom from sin. The gospel is free and is freeing. So let's see what, let's see what uh, that means, okay? So the gospel is free. What, is, uh, what does Paul say here? He says, uh, we'll jump up to the first verse here. He says, he's talking about his apostleship, and he says that he wasn't given um, anything by men or from by men or from men. And then he says, through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Ra- God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, the gospel is free because God initiated rescue. He initiated salvation. Right? So the gospel and salvation and rescue all start with God. It all comes from God. God's the one who sent Jesus to die on the cross. God's the one who rose Jesus from the dead. Raised Jesus from the dead? Yeah, that's the right word. Raised. English, it's hard. Uh, Anyway, God's the one who who raised Jesus from the dead. So salvation starts with God, comes from God, okay? And the gospel is free because Jesus is the one who does the work of salvation. If you go, um, verse 4. So he's just talking about God the Father, and then he says, the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 4, he says, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. So Jesus is the one who does the saving, right? God brought rescue. God initiated salvation. And Jesus is the one who does the work of salvation. What have you done at this point? What have I done at this point? Yep. Yeah, I've done nothing in the way of salvation except for make it worse for myself, right? Salvation does not come from us. This, this phrase who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the, uh, from the present evil age. This is the core of the gospel, that Jesus gave himself. He did the work of salvation so that we could be brought into relationship with God. Many times, many times we believe that God loves us. Like we believe it, but secretly, I want everybody to pay attention, okay? This is important, okay? Many times we believe God loves us, but secretly, that his, we, we think that his love depends on us doing good things, on us doing good works. You catch that? Many times we believe, and we will even say outwardly, that God loves us, but then secretly, whether we are open in our own mind about it or not, we live and we work like God's love depends on what we do. And that's not at all what the gospel says. That's not at all what scripture says overall. God does not love us because of what we do. But God loves us because of what Jesus did. You catch that? 
God does not love us because of what we do, but God loves us because of what Jesus did. We're called to simply believe. God sent Jesus, Jesus died and rose, and all we're called to do is believe and put our faith in Jesus. We're not called to follow a checklist, we're not called to do some weird sacrificial rituals or any of that sort of thing. We're called to believe in Jesus. And that's it. And that's really the main idea of this whole book, but there's a lot of other truths I want to pull out that uh, revolve around that. There's a balance in this, though, okay? Some of you guys who've been around church for a little while, and you, maybe uh, eighth graders, when you last year, you remember we went through the book of James. You were probably asleep. It's okay. Uh, we went through the book of James. And if you know anything about the book of James, James writes, and he says, hey, dummies. He uses that word. No, that's J.J.'s version of it. Uh, but he says, hey, look, faith without works is dead. The whole book is about working for Jesus. Like, the whole book of James is about doing work for God. So if you, if you know that, then you think, wait, James says faith without works is dead. And Paul says, forget about all that junk, just love Jesus. Are these two at odds with each other? Are they saying different things? I think Paul and James probably wouldn't agree on everything because they're both pretty, like, strong-headed, like, bull-headed kind of guys. But they would agree on this. Because if you think those two are at odds, you probably don't understand one or the other of them, okay? The balance is this. We don't work and follow a checklist or follow the commands, because there are lots of commands in Scripture, a lot in the Old Testament that we don't follow anymore because Jesus did away with those. But there's even in the New Testament, which we do follow, or should follow, there are lots of commands, one second, there are lots of commands in here. But we don't follow those to earn our way to God. And James doesn't say that either. James is not saying, hey, you have to do all this work to get your way to God, to get your way to salvation. What we talked about in James over and over and over again is that our faith, our belief in Jesus, our relationship with God and love for him is what leads us to work, right? And the order here, it's an order of importance. Do any of you love math? Anybody love math? Yeah? Yeah, cool. Order of importance, right? That's kind of a big deal in math, right? Uh, you probably say it differently, but that's what I say. Uh, but order of importance, right? Whatever is most important to come first so that the problem works out the way it's supposed to is how, is how you're supposed to do that, right? It's the, it's, the same, it's the same thing here, okay? The order is important. We don't work our way to God, but we work because of God. And it's not, God's love for us is not dependent upon our work. God loves us because of Jesus. God loves you unconditionally because of Jesus, if you're a Christian. He loves you unconditionally because of Jesus. The reason we do the work, this is important. Okay? Everybody looking? Can I talk to your neighbor? Everybody looking up here? This is important. The reason Christians are called to work is not to make God happy. There are two main reasons that we do the things we do, like reading the Bible, praying, doing good for others, and all those kinds of things. Some of them, like reading the Bible and praying and coming to Greenhouse, they connect you with God. They deepen your relationship with him. That doesn't make him love you any more or any less, but what it does is brings you closer to him. It helps you learn more about him and who you're supposed to be. And then the other things where we're doing works for others is so that we can share the gospel with them. So that we can share the gospel with them. Yep. All right, so we learned about that the gospel is free. So the next thing 
is that the gospel is freeing. It brings us to freedom. By God's grace, we are free from sin. Now, here's a concept uh, as Americans uh, that's fun for us. We love the word freedom, right? America, freedom, right? Land of the free. Uh, sometimes the home of the brave. Uh, there's a snake around. My home is not of the brave. Um, but uh, freedom. I think this is another uh, term that needs a, a good definition. Okay? So in our culture today, when you think the word freedom, how often do you think, I get to do whatever the crap I want? Right? That's JJ's word. Sorry, I say crap a lot. Sorry, mom's in the room. Um, and those listening to the recording now are like, I'm not letting my kid go back to that greenhouse. Uh, anyway, freedom in our culture today means you get to do whatever you want. Whoopee! Yeah, like, I can do, I can kick this guy in the face if I want, right? America. Um, I mean, right? Is that not kind of the aura that, that surrounds American life? Now, you learn really quickly that freedom isn't quite what we make it out to be uh, in America because you can't really do everything you want to do because you either end up in jail if you do the wrong thing uh, or you hurt someone else. Um, so that's an aside, though. That's an aside. Okay, but freedom in our culture a lot of times means just do whatever you want. But that's not what freedom means in Scripture. That's not what Paul talks about when he talks about the gospel freeing us from sin. It's not now that you can get to do whatever you want. Paul talks about this, uh, I believe it's in the book of Romans. He talks about, uh, you, you would think, okay, so I've sinned, and then God gets to throw uh, grace on that and covers my sin, and that's awesome. And so logically, if I sin more, then it means God gives me more grace, right? I mean, logically, that makes sense, right? And Paul says, should I sin so that grace could abound more? So should I sin so that God can give me more grace? He says, crab, no. Like, he actually uses a word there that's stronger than that. He's like, crab, no, you shouldn't do that. Sinning is bad regardless of how much grace God is willing to give it. No matter how much God is willing to forgive you, which is always, if you're in relationship with Jesus, God will always forgive you. But you shouldn't sin just because we're allowed to. Because it disconnects us with the God of the universe. And we were created to be in relationship with the God of the universe. We often think that we're created to be in, I don't know, a relationship with a girl or a guy or created to do whatever work or whatever. But all of that, we're created to be in relationship with the God of the universe. And so the salvation that Jesus brings frees us from sin, which separates us from God. So the gospel brings freedom. And we're not careless with that sin. We strive toward doing good things to show love to others and to connect us with God. So as we walk through this book, I hope that you start to kind of, and hope maybe already, you've started to kind of get a better idea of what grace means and what freedom really is. As Christians, what freedom really is. And so this, this particular message, there are a couple of different responses, okay? For Christians, you need to step back and ask yourselves these questions. Are you living by God's power or your own? As you live your daily life, even in the normal things, when you wake up and eat a bowl of cereal or whatever it is, are you living 
by God's power, or are you trying to do things on your own, with your own abilities and your own skills? Also, are you living in the freedom that the God, uh, are you living in the freedom of the gospel, or are you legalistically trying to make God happy? That's it. It can be stated a little more simply. Are you living in freedom, or are you just trying to make God happy? So our lives aren't meant to be lived to make God happy. Our lives are meant to be in relationship with him. He loves us when you're in relationship with him. He loves you regardless of what you do. That's the whole point of the gospel, is that God loved you so much, even though you were fallen, even though you were sinful and you weren't worthy of love, God still loved you and brought a way of rescue. Anyway, I was going to like start another sermon. I'll move on. Others of you, you might think that you're a Christian, but if you're truly honest with yourself, you would say that you're a Christian, but you're really just following a bunch of rules or you're really just showing up at church because you think that's what you're supposed to do. There's no real relationship with Jesus. There's, you've never actually been rescued from your sin. You're still living in your sin, and you're not living free because you're not really in relationship with Jesus. If that's where you are, then you need to pull me aside. You need to pull a, le- or a leader aside, or maybe you have a Christian friend that you trust, and you can pull them aside. And we need to talk that out, and you need to, you need to step into a relationship with Jesus. And others of you in the room, you've, you've never believed in Jesus, and you know that, and that's fine. All of us we're Christians now, we're at that point at some point. Like, we didn't believe in Jesus, and then now we do. So if you have questions, or if you're, if you're ready to do that, you're like, okay, I think I'm at a point that I'm, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to, to be in relationship with Jesus. Come talk to me. Come talk to a leader in the room. Talk to a Christian friend. Same principle there. Let me pray, and then we're going to go into small groups. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the grace and the freedom that your gospel brings. Or help us to move away from trying to do it in our own power. Or help us to try to push away making up our own rules. Lord, I thank you that you love us regardless of how messed up we are. And that you send rescue, you sent Jesus, even though we're not worthy of that rescue. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts even if we weren't fully listening tonight, move in our hearts and convict us of areas that we're living legalistically or maybe we're not in a relationship at all and move us closer to you and draw us into you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.